Okay. Okay. Good. We're good. Hello, everyone. We are talking more lower decks. Uh, we are in chapter six this week. Myself and Jim are going to go over it. I'm Michael Dismuke. I'm a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures RPG. In addition to being a blogger on Continuing Missions, which is the number one site for Star Trek Adventures RPG. And let me introduce Jim Johnson. Hey, everybody. Jim Johnson. I am the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG, uh, published by Modifius Entertainment. Low these many years and co-host on this here show with Michael Dismuke. Low these many 80 odd episodes or something. And uh, we are super excited to be talking about Lower Decks tonight. Lower Decks campaign guide, uh, which I have a, a fresh, fresh pristine copy of. Not to, not to rub it in, but there it is. Lower Decks campaign guide. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, chapter six tonight. All about game mastering. Exactly. And, uh, we have no guests with us tonight, but that's okay. They'll be with us next time. Uh, we uh, this chapter was largely written by uh, Michael and myself, with Michael doing the vast majority of the uh, heavy lifting. So thank you for that, Michael. And uh, I think this is this chapter of this book is largely your your brainchild and baby. So I think I'm more than happy to have you kind of like jump in. But I'll ask you Good. questions along the way. So That'd be great. And I want to give a shout out to, to I, 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 back in May, I visited my sister in North Carolina and I had the privilege. It was, we actually was, it was on May 4th. So may the 4th be with you. I know this is Star Trek, but I have to mention this because I know you do a lot of theater, Jim. And so what I ended up doing was going to an improv troupe um, in Charlotte, North Carolina that we're doing improv just about star wars it was such an inspirational thing i want to you know i usually do shout outs at the end of the show but i'm going to do a shout out at the beginning of the show because rpg to me is improv is karaoke yeah i think that they, they all have the similar thing and it was just one of the best experiences of my life we were laughing so hard my sister you know i love her but she's into star wars more than star trek i think we all have those in our family and and um, we had such a good time. We were crying, laughing. So this is a shout out to Improv um, and and what they did in Charlotte at the community theater there. It was really cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it, it's interesting how much uh, how much RPGs and theater and writing all kind of blend together and, uh, and tie and coalesce together. And I think that's a lot of what this chapter is about is like, uh, you know, tapping into that, that improv and, and into the writing and into the, you know, thinking about tropes and thinking about, uh, um, structuring your your stories and adventures and stuff, and just like knowing all that stuff at a level, deep level, so yeah. that it all comes out in the gameplay, whether you're a game master or a player. So yeah, yeah it, good stuff. And I want to tell people, you know, some people may go to college to learn to write, and I can honestly 100% say. <clears throat> That when it came to writing characters, stories, science fiction, I learned it from playing RPG starting at age 15 years old. And I still have a friend of mine. He's now in his 70s. He used to babysit me in a sense. He's, you know, kind of like, like I go over there if I'm bored and my parents are doing something and he was nice enough to play RPG with me. And to this day, he still keeps up with what I do in my career. And he's like, you know, you learned how to do this from playing RPG. I'm like, I know, I know. Cause I used to write up. So, so this whole chapter six was dedicated to, if you want to write a Star Trek game, how do you do that? So we have some basic um, principles that, 
most writers use in writing a good story, but I really wanted people to be able to tailor writing their own Star Trek games or writing their own Lower Decks games. Uh, so that's why we opened up with knowing the tropes, which was one that, again, I didn't know... Um, just for people who don't know when Jim sends out an outline to his writers, then he kind of asks, he gives a basic what he wants to cover. And then he offers us what else do you want to throw in there? Um, and so, and so this was one of the ones I threw in about knowing the tropes of star Trek, because I think there's a lot of comedy in it. And if you look at lower decks as a show, what do they do? They constantly crack up about, the tropes. Um, and so I, I'll just go through a, a, a couple of them um, just to give an idea of why this is such an important chapter. So for first of all, there's a radiation for everything. We constantly also learn about alien viruses in Star Trek. And then a couple of the ones that are kind of funny um, and the language I used in them were sensors scan everything until they don't or universal translators work until they don't because we constantly see these kind of events happening in star trek where the writers are like oh well you could solve that really easily with transporters but we have to somehow create a malfunction so that they don't have that option so i really wanted to talk about those tropes anything jim that you that stood out to you yeah i mean i think this is uh this is a almost a, a good way of um you know giving someone like a like a one-on-one on what was star trek right and uh you can say, well, you know, at, at a highest level, you just hit some of these tropes, tropes, right? You know, there's often holodeck malfunctions. There's awful, often, uh, you know, the, the, the deflectors have multi-purposes, uh, often to degrees that you would never expect them to be used for. But like all of a sudden, the deflector can be rejiggered to to solve the plot. It's like, sure, why not? It's all techno babble. It's all make believe. It's all science fiction. You know, uh, artificial intelligence is always deadly, no matter what. You want it to be. It's always going to kill you. Pay attention. Watch your episode, you know. Uh, <laughs> Most artists and writers feel this way right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's just lots of great ideas in here. And like every one of these is um, something that you can just throw into an episode and it'll feel like Star Trek almost right away. Because like there are so many examples for all of these tropes. I guess that's why they're tropes. Um, yeah. You know, the magic and mystery of subspace. Subspace is a great, um, a great techno babble thing where, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, especially um, uh, I think Voyager really took advantage of subspace. And added a lot to it. It's like because there's so much you can do with it because it's all make believe, right? So why right. not have it do anything you want it to do? And uh, I think th this is all just great foundational stuff for a game master and even the players to to have in their head to use as more tools to throw at them in, in, into your stories. Well, what I wanted players to be able to do too is not get stuck. So like, say for instance, if there's chroniton radiation, if you're trying to combat chroniton radiation, Star Trek consistently, all they do is put anti in front of the word. So we obviously need anti-chroniton radiation, yeah. you know? And, and so, and, and then how are we going to admit this? Well, you have a deflector, which miraculously does everything, you know? And this is just the I crack up with Star Trek or players who get stuck. It's like, make it up. They do. Don't get so stuck in something and so um i really encourage not only just people playing lower decks but people playing any star trek or writing for star trek to read these tropes because the audience is always giving up our believability right away like yep we're oh okay that makes total sense you know we're already in the mode to believe whatever you write if you do it in the correct techno babble so so each one of these tropes is, is built for that and i even cite examples so for those people who get technical you can't do that well no actually janeway in 2371 you know i wanted to give everyone to have that ability too so uh -huh. really really yeah. fun chapter um there is something i put in here that i hope becomes canon 
And I don't know. So red shirts. So, so there's always been talk about why from the original series, you know, Captain Kirk wore gold, you know, he wore gold and and then Scotty wore uh, red, you know, he's an engineer, but then all of a sudden it flips by the time you get to TNG. So I put the trope of the red shirts dying as being the reason to break naval tradition and superstition that they switched the colors so that people knew that there was not actually a connection to the color shirt you wear to your shirt you wear to your mortality. So I'm hoping that that somehow becomes canon one day. <laughs> All right, that's right. You never know, right? I mean, the, uh, other things have gotten into the uh, into into canon that uh, we never would have expected. So yeah, sure, why not? Exactly. Cool. Yep. And, and like so, you said, and like you said, at the very end of that chapter, there's tropes and actions where if you take two or three tropes, you can actually really form a pretty good encounter. Um, and so just encouraging people, if you have a campaign or you're writing your own campaign, did you at least have one Star Trek trope in it? And that that will really put that IP stamp on there, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. cool. Yeah, okay, so that's the that's the first chunk of the chapter. Next, we talk all about uh, engaging the players, right? Which is always important for game masters. Like, how do you get your players involved? How do you get them invested into the game? How do you how do you just get them started on something uh, where if they're just like, are they just there to play? Are they just there to be socializing? Or do they really actually want to play like a like you know have a Star Trek experience at the game table? So. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you were what you were thinking when you were heading into this uh, part of the chapter. Sure, honestly, one of the first things I was thinking about, Jim, is the invitation you consistently put out to people um, to submit story ideas and to submit to you. You're very open about that, and. <clears throat> I want people to succeed. My personal mission statement in life as quoted on my LinkedIn is that I find happiness in watching people succeed. So there's never a time where someone said, Hey, I want to submit something to Jim that I want them to fail. I want them to succeed. So, so this chapter was kind of built with that mentality. It's like, okay, what are we looking for in a story? Um, I talk about starting with why. So, so you know, why is this story important? What's the compunction behind it? But then um, I even put a part in there about adapting modules and missions to suit lower deckers. So again, it's showing like, um, there's not a module from Star Trek Adventures that if you hand it to me, I cannot match it to my crew. I can take the piece, puzzle piece and elements out of it in order to take those and then, you know, make it fit in my story. Um, and so I wanted to to show people don't look at the stories as railroad where you just have to go through it the way it's written, but people need to really say, Hey, how do I adapt it and find the key elements to, to make it fun for my group? And you have to do that with lower decks. Why? Because as of right now, most of Star Trek adventures, RPG modules and mission briefs are leaning towards senior officers. Mm-hmm. So if you're really going to get the most out of this book, lower decks, and you happen to have this big pile of these of the, these mission modules and mission briefs, I wanted to make sure that they knew how to adapt it so that they can play their lower decks games. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, thought, yeah. I thought that was great advice. And I, I really appreciated that you took um, you took um, the the mission right out of the back of the core book mm-hmm. and it kind of broke it down a little bit and showed how, how you can take those components and adapt them. I think that's really helpful because, I mean, obviously, the vast majority of people are probably going to have the core book. Uh, in either print or PDF. So it's, it's an easy reference for them to look at. So um, good idea on that part. So, you know, kudos you. <laughs> for doing that. And uh, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think um, um, a lot of our stuff, the mission briefs on the standalone 
I mean, even all the adventures in the in the two compendiums, right? They're they're they can be run linearly, uh, but like this is such a tillbox kind of sandbox kind of game. Like, just take the pieces that make sense to you. And I know that's hard for newer game masters, um, but hopefully, you know, by reading some of the advice that we write and that you written and that everybody else has written in the player's guide and the game master guide and this guide and the other all the other stuff we've done, hopefully that's going to start giving some people some confidence to say. Oh, look, I don't have to follow this module from, you know, page one to page 20 exactly as written. I can, I can flex it. I can play with it. I think the, the underlying probably unspoken intention that I've always had is that you should be adapting all the standalone missions to your group, your particular group. Cause like when we're writing them, we can't possibly know what group of characters or group of players you have at your table. You're going to have to adapt it anyway. I, I mean, e- even, um, the classic Dungeons and Dragons modules still have to be adapted somewhat because if you have a group full of thieves, you know, you're going to have a hard time with some of those modules because it really expects you to have a more balanced uh, group. And of course, Star Trek isn't quite so dependent on a balanced group because uh, uh, although by its nature, you've got a balanced group because you usually have a engineer, security, you know, science, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but not quite to the level that other games do, I think. So yeah, great, right. great advice, um, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. So the one to make that, accessible for people and then and then of course the biggest discussion myself and jim had early on in my career with star trek adventures was about humor and humor being subjective so i thought with there would be no better book than lower decks to talk about how to appropriately inject humor into the game now i know some people are goof troops and and you know everyone's cracking one-liners the entire game but some people get irritated if that happens throughout the entire session when they actually want to play a little meat to their game so this section was really about balancing that out when when to reel it in, when to lean into it, um, breaking the fourth wall. I have to give uh, credit to, to, um, oh man, the writer just slipped me, not Alan Davis, She-Hulk. Was that, who wrote She-Hulk originally? Uh, sensational. Uh, so, so, um, John Byrne got it. John Byrne, the artist, for, but, but if we remember breaking the fourth wall became a thing, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I know players, some players actually like to break the fourth wall. I had a player for 28 years and that became his character was breaking the fourth wall, but no one else paid attention. They all thought he was insane um, when he was doing it, but it created a a memorable character. So there's a little thing in here about what the fourth wall is um, so that you can use all these different humor styles. Um, It talks about all the different styles of humor also um, making sure you know your group and you find something that really matches the tone to keep people coming back. It's the point. You don't want people to be offended or bored. You know, just keep them coming back. Yeah, just absolutely. Talk to your group, talk to your players, and, and just like find that level that works for everybody, and then you know do your best to adhere to it. Like 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 some some groups want the over the top lower decks kind of shenanigans, and some are like, nah, let's not go quite that far. And then some probably were like, no, let's go even further. Let's go into like the you know even like the South Park kind of level of utter like that's a very mm-hmm. different level of humor right and uh i mean which is fine like i mean i love so- I, I will admit that i have a dirty secret i love south park mm-hmm. south park got me through some very dark times mm-hmm. and uh i know it's it's horrible and awful in some ways but it's so consistently offensive to everybody that, that that's where i appreciate it is because they're not just picking fun at specific you know groups or individuals they just mm-hmm. offend everybody and uh there, there's something kind of refreshing about that but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah I mean, here's a weird, a weird non sequitur is I, it depresses me that office couldn't air today. Like mm-hmm. if you brought the office on nowadays, 
people would be so offended. They couldn't get through the fourth episode. You know, and it's like, when are we, st- when did we stop laughing at ourselves? Which is why I really like Lower Decks because they laugh at themselves, laugh at Star Trek. So um, I agree with you on that. We need to be able to laugh at ourselves or that's not a world I want to live in, you know? Yeah. Like that. But anyway, so yeah, so so humor, like like this, this section of the book is not going to tell you how to be funny. I don't think anybody can tell you how to be funny. Uh, that's just, I mean, it's probably a skill to some, like you could probably learn how to write better jokes and how to be, you know, funny, but I think forced humor always falls flat. Yeah. Uh, when you're trying to be funny, it's never funny. And at the game table, you just got to let it happen naturally. Eventually you're going to find the, like, like I, I, in my experience anyway, like every group has its class clown mm-hmm. and, and then you've got the one person who's like really good at the, the subtle deadpan humor. And then someone's like probably really good with puns. Sarcasm. All Sarcasm yeah. yeah. I, I think I've told people you can learn to do play on words like puns and stuff like that, which some people will find funny. But honestly, to me, if you really want to be funny, try not to be funny. So, so um, some of the funniest people I know are so serious that you have that. Um, uh, ah, Oh, from the 50s and 60s. He was one of the funniest non-funny guys. He was so straight-faced. Uh, he had his own talk show. Oh, he's one of my favorite. And I, uh, I'll come, come to me later. But again, he never he purposely tried to be straight-faced yeah. while, ev- while chaos is going on around them. And it was just one of the funniest comedians of all time. Um, just, just doing that. Um, so yeah, uh, to your point, Jim, yes, people don't try to be funny. Either are or you may not be funny, but that's funny too. So, all right, cool. Yep, and then uh, and moving on, then we uh, we get into a this is this is for the writers among the uh, GMs out there. This is all about planning out your story arcs, and this uh, this is actually um, when I read it, I think I felt like this was like an expansion, or or actually a, you know not an expansion, but maybe more like a like a, a supplemental add on to what was what we covered in the rules digest. Because I think mm-hmm. you and I kind of collaborated on the game master, um, like the story writing section of the game master guide, um, and this was an opportunity for you to add even more meat to that. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your um, your planning story arc subchapter? Because I see you broke it down into um, the six disciplines. Mm-hmm. So uh, give us a little, little bit of knowledge about that. Yeah. So maybe you need a prompt. Um, you know, you're writing your own campaigns or maybe you're trying to figure out how to incorporate somebody who's in the medicine department or con department into the current storyline. So I wanted to give ideas of how you get those junior officers involved in every single game. Um, and this is something that was done um, in the operations manual and, and science manual and command module where, where your writers actually suggested like, Oh, in certain missions, this is how they can be used. So I just adapted that for cadets and junior officers here um, so that they would always have a role to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. And then uh, really, I mean, tying right into this uh, or being a very nice compliment to this is the next subchapter, which talks all about uh, these different story components like, and not so much the plot components that we've used in the division books and in the core book. But like this is going into more like storytelling devices like plot, you know, plot hooks and stuff. And uh, this is just, you know, more storytelling grist for a game master and players to to, to think about and to use to help structure your um your story. So you want to talk yeah. a little bit about some of these? Yeah. And this is actually, you know, it's not a master class at all by any means, but I think a lot of us, when we started writing, even if you're doing RPG, 
you have some stories that work and resoundingly and some stories maybe fall a little flat. And sometimes we're like, why? Well, there's actually a formula to good writing. And so I read books about writing now and I listen to master classes. And so what I wanted to do was to give people an option to see what are common story components that we see. So for instance, plot hooks, you know, how do plot hooks work? How does foreshadowing work? Now I, after I learned about what foreshadowing was, and I'm sure you probably do it too, Jim, I watch TV shows once through. And then when I go back and watch them again, I'm like, oh, they foreshadowed that really early on. And so once you start recognizing those ingredients to a really good story, it's going to change your whole viewpoint of when you're watching movies. It actually makes TV shows way better and makes books way better when you see the common tropes or common common devices that are used by writers um, and, and uh, screenplay to to, to, to make stories come alive. We're programmed for that. Even if you go to ancient cultures and look at their stories, you see these same things, these elements in some of the greatest stories we like. So I just wanted to kind of wake people up to what those plot devices are so that um, when people are designing their stories, they can, they can start using some of those. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, there's just great advice in here. So if you feel looking for some more in, insights into like uh, reversals, cliffhangers, twi- twist endings, um, you know, outlining, um, you know, just, just lots of different little tips and tricks. Um, I, I, I again, you know, don't want to necessarily call it a masterclass, but, uh, this no, is probably yeah. like, this is more, this is more advanced kind of game mastering and, and not so much. And none of it is rules, right? None of this is mechanics or game mechanics. This is all about story because mm-hmm. really Star Trek is all about the characters and it's all about story. Um, you know, not so much, I mean, just like on the TV show, right? It's all about the story. It's all about the characters. And this is this uh, this section really leads into that to be to where like uh, I mean obviously the the mechanics and the rules are the framework that you use to tell stories with your group. Mm-hmm. This is the other piece of that. This is this is like you don't need the you don't have to worry about the mechanics so much. This is like building that story and pulling all those pieces together. Uh, so that you can yeah. use mechanics to help tell the story, right? Yeah, and, f- and for those of you who want to say, for instance, take your hand at writing mission briefs or submit a story to Jim on page 125, I put how to outline a story. And that is what I do when I'm trying to build a story and make sure the acts look good and that there's a true motivation behind it. I use that basic outline and then I send that synopsis over to Jim and he's like, yeah, that sounds interesting. And <laughs> Not all of them get accepted, but that's okay. They end up on continuing mission. So they end up somewhere in the universe. But um, it's it's just a good formula so that if you're not sure how to pitch or how to write some basic um, story outlines, you can you can use that. Yeah. And, and whether it's accepted or rejected, it's uh, it's all practice. Right. right. I, know, I know writers don't like to hear that, but uh, everything you write is practice for the next thing you write. So it's never wasted time. You some like it always it always fries my brain. When I'm when I'm reading social media about writers who are like, oh yeah, I was writing my novel and I had to delete two thousand words and blah, I'm so, I'm so far behind now. It's like, wait a minute, that was two thousand words of practice that you got exactly, to and you are now experienced enough to realize that that two thousand words wasn't working. So now you've deleted it, you started over again, and now you're you're on a new path, and now you're feeling feeling good about it. So don't ever dismiss the work that you've done because it's all it's all practice. It's all getting into your head. And it, hey. it works for game masters too. Game masters need practice. Just like anybody else, right? It's like the yeah. think about the episodes you ran at the very beginning of your career as a game master, and they were probably a little awkward and a little, a little mm-hmm. squishy. And and now you've gotten better because that you had the practice, you put the time in. So, yeah, I've said it. I've said no, and I'm going to reiterate it again because we're in this chapter. Is 
a person who wants to play the guitar plays it every day, even if they're not a professional because they like it. So if you can't get into writing every day, even just for five minutes or 15 minutes, how do you expect to get better? You got to do it every day in order to get better. So, um, and that's what makes a difference. Frank Oz, I quote him all the time. I'll quote him again. It took him, he said, it took me 20 years to become an overnight success, meaning he was into his craft for 20 years. And then he scored the Muppets with Jim Henson, you know, and then did Yoda later on, you know? So, so um, just again, this, the point here is here's some basic things. Please get work your craft every day, right? Five to 15 minutes at, at least. And you'll, you'll land something eventually. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, from a gaming perspective, you know, game masters, think about story, think about plot, think about, you know, sequencing of events and how, how you can surprise character players, but with different things and mm-hmm. like do that. I mean, even if you're just jotting down bullet points, or you're just, you know, spitballing on post-it notes or something, keep it, keep that stuff churning in your head because it, it'll come out on the game table eventually. Um, anyway. So, yeah, uh, my, my <laughs> encouragement is read this chapter and, and watch lower decks while you watch it. Read it and look for these, look for cliffhangers, look for reversals, look for uh, twist endings, you know, stuff like that. There's also a piece about using creative imagery. Um, Some people freak out about like how to really expound on a scene. And I really, you know, encourage people. I I pick three of my five senses in order to write a scene at any time. So I'm like, okay, this is kind of boring. So I'm going to pick maybe this time I'll pick smell, touch and, and sight. And I'm going to, just add some details to this scene using just three of those senses and people, it just, it just expands from there. So um, it it can be simple stuff too. And so there's a little piece on there about how to use creative imagery, just so that your players, you know, they, they get into the world building with you. Yep. That's great advice. In fact, that's, that's one of the writing pieces of advice I learned years ago is uh, when you're writing a novel or a short story, make sure to engage at least one sense every couple of pages, whether mm-hmm. it's, whether you're writing in a smell or a sound, like what are the characters experiencing? Because that stuff helps pull the reader in. And yep. for, for you know, game master perspective, if you're able to narrate scenes, what does it smell like? What does it look like? Paint a picture for the players so that they can understand what are my characters looking at? What, what is my character looking at? And just they'll help get them invested in the scene and give them something to, to <laughs> visually, you know? And yeah. And it, it really, I mean, it really changes things too. Like for instance, you know, I, I just give an example. I gave this example of the book, but if I gave an example now, it's like, Oh, you know, you walk through an open door, a warm breeze greets you. There's flower petals everywhere. There's a sound of classical music and you see some wine set on the table, but there is a strong rank smell of feces. <laughs> Right away, everything changes in that scene. And people now have questions, right? They're like, what the heck is the source of that? So I I tell people really get those senses involved in writing and it pays off big time. Absolutely. 100%. Cool. Um, Yeah. So then uh, then we wrap up uh, with a cold opens table. This is a a random D20 table of of different um, teaser ideas that you can use to kick off an episode. As you know, you've watched Lower Decks. It always kind of kicks off with like a one to two minute little cold open kind of thing where the group is doing something kind of wacky and funny, and then it cuts mm-hmm. to the um, to the opening credits and the, um, the the theme music, and then you're into the episode, right? So uh, if you just need a, a story starter or just something for the group to do to just get them started in the episode, here's a random D20 table. Get started on that. Have fun with it. 
Um, and then we wrap up uh, as we have done with some of our more recent books with a bunch of mission briefs. So uh, here's a, I think there's either a dozen or 10. I don't remember how many I put in here. Yeah. I think there's 10 in there, which is great. There's an even, even dozen, Ooh, dozen, nice. dozen briefs in here uh, and, and they're all lower decks focused. So if, uh, if you're, um, uh, you know, new officers and you need some ideas, this is all lower decks focused. Um, mm -hmm. Go with that, and then you can pair that up nicely with uh, Michael's. Um, uh, well, depending on when this episode airs, it's either forthcoming or it just came out. The mission brief pack for lower decks uh, that's uh, available for download for freezies. That's ten more mission briefs, all wow. lower decks, all lower decks focused. So you know, between that free pack, the campaign guide, that's twenty two. Like five to six months of playing if you play every week. Right? Totally. Oh my goodness! Um, so yeah, so uh, lots of story ideas here. Pick and and play mix and match do whatever you want with them so hopefully this uh, game mastering chapter gives you just loads of advice on um adding even more depth and fun to your games just again like what, we, what we've been doing with so many of our books over the last couple of years now more tools more tools, yeah. more tools more tools we're just throwing everything we can think of at you um and, and then some right and uh, hopefully um groups are just <laughs> overwhelmed with the tools so that they can have fun well, I'll give the advice here too. If people are just coming onto Lower Decks and this is their first introduction to Star Trek and Mission Briefs, um, the thing I do to get through it is I put two together. So one is the main story and one's the B plot. And so I go a little softer on the players who are involved in the B plot because I'm so busy trying to get through every single module in Mission Brief. I've, I've been combining, in some cases, I've even combined, yes, get this one. I've combined up to four into one story. <laughs> so finding some commonality between them. So um, I'm, I'm trying to get through them all. I do. I, and I identified the person, Jim, who's gone through every single one. Oh, you did? Michael Freeman. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. Yeah. He played. And the thing is he plays on my game and, and I, I sent the question out there and one of these, like who, whoever's done them all, let me know. And he's like, Michael, that's me. I told you that. I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Oh so Michael Freeman has actually played every single module mission brief to date so far, he says, and he's played some more than twice, which is true. How? No, I'm so jealous. And and we need to have him on the show. So I, I told him he's coming on the show and we will talk to him about that. Yeah, because I, I feel like, I mean, we, we've got to be closing in on 300 mission briefs, standalones, you know, mini campaigns, whatever. Is that, I mean, there's just a ton of Star Trek adventure story out there now. I'd love to hear how he manages to yeah. have fun everything. <laughs> I know he combines and yeah, I know he combines and mixes them up. You know, uh, he does that, which is fine. That's that's cool to me because each one's yeah. a piece of the puzzle. But yeah. um, he's definitely one of my best players, and and um, I, I'm I will have him on the show so we can pick his brain about that. All right, all right, all right. That was chapter six, Jim. All right, so chapter six, we're uh, cranking our way through the book here. A few more chapters to go. Um, mm -hmm. Again, depending on when this episode airs, this is chapter six, right? So the book is probably already available for pre-order now. Let's see. Uh, this right. one will air on six. Yep, June sixteenth. So yeah, so the book should have. I mean, you know, knock on wood. So, unless something went horribly wrong in the last couple of weeks um, of of the future time, not not now, but in the future time. Unless something has gone wrong in the in the in the, in the future, um, you should have been able to pre-order the book. And if you pre-order the book, you have it in hand, or at least you have it on your screen now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, physical copies will be on the way when they're on the way, but. Um, uh, you should have the PDF in hand and hopefully you're enjoying it and, and, and reading it and following along with us. 
Uh, and exactly. if not, then maybe this uh, maybe this episode will inspire you to go check it out. So uh, we'll see what happens. All right. So, this gratitude. is our gratitude. Exactly. Do you want to go first this time? Uh, sure. That's such a rarity. Um, <laughs> I will thank, uh, first and foremost, all of the writing instructors, mentors, et cetera, I've had over the long many years. Uh, A.C. Crispin and uh, Dean Wesley Smith and Christine Kaplan Rush. Uh, at the top of the list, uh, there's been plenty more. Cat Rambo, um, um, uh, Laura Resnick. Uh, there's so many more that I've learned from either directly taking one of their courses or learning from them. Or, you know, the best way to learn how to write is to read. And so all these books that we have, go read them and uh, be really intentional about tearing them apart. And I mean, physically, like sometimes you really want to learn how a writer writes. Grab a paperback, tear it up, understand how they outlined, how they did stuff. There you go. And uh, so thanks to all the writers, all the mentors out there um, who I've learned from and who their stuff is all embedded in my brain. It's made me a better writer. So thank you. Uh, and then thank you to the fans. I, again, I can't thank the fans enough uh, for your support of the game, for your support of each other, uh, for letting us do this for seven years now by continuing to buy the books and talk about the game online, supporting each other, playing the game, recording your Twitches, recording your YouTubes, sharing them with people and showing other people how to play the game or at least how it could be played, right? Like there's so many different ways to play this game. Now you can use it rules light, rules heavy, mm -hmm. you know, theater of the mind, radio drama, whatever. There's just all kinds of ways to play this game now. And you got a really good cross-section of it mm -hmm. online now that you can go enjoy. So check all that stuff out. And thank you to the fans. Always, always, always. Exactly. Um, I'm in... I'm in line with you, actually. So my thank you was going to go to Elizabeth Lyon. She's the writer of a book that a friend of mine... Actually, remember I told you about that friend who I started playing RPG with back uh, in... Uh, to, uh, 35 years ago now when I was 15 years old, um, they handed me a book that was published in 2008 because his wife does some writing and it's called Manuscript Makeover. And it's by Elizabeth Lyon. If you haven't picked up this book and you're a writer, go get Manuscript Makeover by Elizabeth Lyon. Um, it, it, took what, what I was doing unintentionally for years. It outlines exactly all that I was doing. It includes like tropes and questions to ask as you're developing stories, um, talks about some of the rules we talked about, like foreshadowing. It shows you how to copy edit yourself. I know that um, my goal is to always hand a book and a publication over to Jim where he has minor edits to do. That's kind of like my personal challenge. Um, and so again, if you love something every day, it's like if you play the guitar, you watch YouTube and watch people playing guitar, you pick up books about it. If you're a writer, have you read a book about writing? You know, and Nicholas Meyer, again, his book, um, uh, 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 his uh, book, uh, View from the Bridge, again, if you want to really talk about screenplays and how to write get into the mind, read one book every six months about writing, watch a master class or YouTube or something like that. Master your craft. And that's what we really want you all to do. All right. Absolutely. All right, cool. All right. So until next time, IDIC, Jim. Uh, live long and prosper. Be safe. Be well. Thanks, all everybody. Right. Talk to you next time. <laughs>